Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Who am I that the highest king would welcome? I was lost and he brought me all his love for me. It's his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, it's free and I'm a child. a slave to sin Jesus died for me yes he
Pretty dramatic. Hey, everybody. How are you, church? It's good to be with you guys. Uh, for those of you that I haven't met yet, my name is David Walters. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor at the Vine Church. Privilege to be with you guys uh, this week for a number of reasons. I was uh, at our Flowery Branch campus last week, and so anytime I'm over there, I miss you guys. Uh, it's great to be back for that. Uh, number two, it's St. Patrick's Day, and uh, I- I'm a bad Irish guy uh, for two reasons. Number one, I don't have any green on. Uh, that's why I'm carrying around my Vine pen. Uh, that kind of gets me away from being pinched. Um, but also, also, um, I don't like beer. Uh, I know, like, people say it's an acquired taste, and I'm like, anything you got to acquire a taste for is probably not something you should be drinking. But anyway, um, so I'm like bad Irish guy, and I'm actually Irish. My middle name is Cochran. You can't get any more Irish than that, people. So, um, but if you're sitting next to somebody that doesn't have green on, just give them a little, hey, welcome to the Vine Pinch, and uh, tell them you're glad to be with them this morning. Some of y'all put the safety uh, gear on this morning. I was talking with one of our first-time guests who had a green scarf on, and I was like, Good move. Um, I need to get me one of those. So great to be with you uh, on St. Patrick's Day. And I'm actually going to include a little story about St. Patrick a little bit later on in our message today. But I'm excited about our message as we continue our series called Running From God. Uh, We've been getting a lot of feedback from you that this has been a a very powerful series so far. And I believe that God will continue to uh, bring power into our lives uh, through this series. Um, How many of you growing up, you heard something said from an adult, maybe even a parent that you swore you would not say when you got older? Anybody? Um, Students, how many of you, like you've got these things your parents are saying and you're like, I'm going to write this down. I'm not going to say this one day when I'm a parent. You got anything on your list? Yeah. Um, A a number of those that were on my list, I included a couple of those this morning. Um, Because I said so. Anybody um, tracking with that one? How about this one? Money doesn't grow on trees. The like the new terminology, because because like, you know, we're, we're older and more advanced is like, what do you think I am? An ATM? Yeah, um, that's a newer version of that. Um, shut the door, you weren't raised in a barn, yeah. Or shut the door, we can't air condition the outside. You know, like, there's a couple of variations of that. Um, if your friend jumped off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge, right? Yeah, that is, that is crazy. And the answer to that is probably yes. Like it, if they pop back up out of the water, then I'm going in. Um, so, and then, and then this was one that we heard a lot, especially in the like old school station wagon where you just got to run around and play in the back. It was like, you know, jungle gym in the back. You, y'all remember those station wagons where the seat faced the back? Those were awesome. How many of you just like flash the people that were Okay, guys, how many of you just flashed the cars that were behind you like down the interstate? Anyway, yeah. Um, Don't make me pull the car over. Yeah, I like that one. Occasionally, I'm not known to get like that mad, but occasionally I'll pull that one out. Um, But this was one that I I loved growing up. It was, I'm I'm not going to tell you again. Yeah. Um, And did anybody find that a little bit like ironic or contradictory? Because like in saying that, what are they doing? They're actually telling you again. Like, I, I just thought that was, but I wasn't sarcastic enough. Like, I'm sarcastic, but not sarcastic enough to be like, hey, hey, you actually just said that again. <laughs> because one of the other things that I heard growing up a lot, and if I wanted to, like, see the rage of my dad, who is a very peaceful man, it was to talk back. Because one of the, his biggest pet peeves and one of the things that he said was, don't talk back, especially to your mama. So like there was no sarcastic reply. I thought y'all would laugh a little bit at that. But anyway, apparently you had that kind of dad too. You know, it was like, don't talk back to adults, 
especially to your mom. You wanna see the wrath of God. There it is, right there, if you were to do that. And, and so, um, so I would not respond back. And that's why, like at that moment, when I wanted to reply sarcastically, um, because I said so was good enough for me. That was it, you know, because I said so. Today, what we're gonna discover is that when we run from God, we don't have to worry about God saying, I'm not going to tell you a second time. Because when it comes to the call of God on our lives, whatever that call is, God will tell us a second time. In fact, God will continually repeat himself over to us because he wants to communicate that call so significantly. And then our response shouldn't be a sarcastic response, but should be a response in obedience and simply because God says so. And and because I say so, it's really a statement of, I need you to trust me. And if there's any person that we can trust when it comes to the call on our lives for certain obedience in certain situations and circumstances, it is God. Because he says so should be good enough for us. And so today we're gonna see that when we run from God, God will call us a second time. God will continually call us to that which he called us to. And he will do that. And we should respond because he says so. And so if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I wanna invite you to go with me to Jonah chapter three. The book of Jonah uh, is, is pretty much right in the middle of the Bible. Uh, it's found in a portion of the Bible that's known as the Minor Prophets. We'll have a summer series about the Minor Prophets. It should be a great time. He's one of those Minor Prophets, uh, but he had a major uh, life event happen to him. He got swallowed by a great fish. Now, I don't know if you're here today for the first time. This is your first time in church. You just heard that statement and you're like, that seems pretty crazy that a man could be swallowed by a great fish. And maybe, maybe you're kind of new to church. Maybe you're a little skeptical about things. Uh, good news, we've got an Easter series where we're gonna talk and address some of the skeptical aspects of our faith. Um, but maybe you're thinking, hey, that seems a little crazy that a man could be swallowed by a fish. I don't know if you saw a headline that happened two weeks ago, that there was a man that was actually uh, swallowed by a fish. A great whale. They said it was about 30 feet long. That sounds like a, a fish that could swallow a man. And uh, he got about halfway in and apparently the fish decided, hey, this isn't what we normally swallow and opened his mouth and let him get out. So he survived. Maybe we'll have a little bit of footage for you next week. So if you're thinking this is a crazy story, not so crazy. Here's what's not crazy either. That each of us, we have three calls on our life. This is a universal call that we all have. And the first one is to follow God. It's to, to enter into a relationship with God where we recognize that God is our God and we belong to him. We're called to follow him. And he has specifically given all of us an invitation through the person and the work of Jesus. When Jesus shows up and he declares, whether you're religious or irreligious or non-religious, God desires a relationship and we're called to follow him. He's made that possible through his perfect life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead where all of us, regardless of how distant we have been from God, can come back to him through the forgiveness of our sins, made right by his love offered to us. That's the first call that we all have. The second call that we all have is for deeper fellowship and friendship with God. God wants to be your friend. 
God wants to be a, a great heavenly father or a great parent to you, but God also wants to call you friend. Jesus says, I used to call you my, my, my servants and that's what you were, but now I call you my friends because that's who you are. We grow into a relationship with God where God knows us deeply and we know God deeply through that relationship. And, and then the third call that we all have on our lives is a call to find our purpose. It's a call to find our purpose. We all have a general purpose on our lives and that is to, to bring glory to God in all that we do. We, we get that purpose from our existence because we were created in God's image and his likeness. And so when people look at us, regardless of what we look like, when they look at us, they should see the image and the reflection of God reflected in our lives and in our behavior and who we are. But there's a specific call that we all have. It's the reason why you're here that's distinct and different from the reason that everybody else is here. And God wants to reveal this to you. God wants you to discover what that plan and that purpose is for your life, how you're uniquely wired and uniquely gifted to bring glory to him into this, in this world. And, and we see that played out in Jonah's life where Jonah gets a specific call and the specific call is to go to a group of people called the Ninevites. They're, they're kind of like terrorists a, a few years ago and, and terrorism has been in the news. And so if you were called to go uh, to reach some terrorist, how would you respond? Well, Jonah in his specific calling, he actually retreats and he actually runs away from God. He's swallowed by a great fish. And, and then last week we discovered that that when you run from God, uh, one, of the, one of the tail signs of running from a relationship is you shut off communication, right? Well, then he decides that he's gonna pray and God hears him despite his guilt, despite God's judgment on his life, despite his distance, despite the impossibility and despite the fact that it seems like he's out of time. God responds and hears his cry and, and then the whale spits him out on the dry land. He goes about his journey. Today, what we're gonna discover is after Jonah has prayed, God speaks to him, and we're gonna see what God says to him. And so we'll be in Jonah chapter three. We're gonna read the first two verses. We'll pause for a little bit of teaching, and then we'll continue with the story. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Everybody say, a second time. A second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah gets, um, gets out on dry land. Apparently you can't hear from God while you're in the belly of a fish. So he gets out on dry land and a word of the Lord comes to him, but it comes for a second time. It's not the first time, it's the second time. And this is where God doesn't say, hey, I'm not gonna tell you again. This is where God says, hey, I've got a calling on your life. And no matter how many times you run from it, I'll repeat that calling until you respond in obedience. And he says, hey, I want you to go to these people called the Ninevites and I want you to tell them the message that I'm telling you. And so many of us, we kind of expect that maybe in life we should get something fresh from God when God's still waiting us to respond in obedience to what he's already told us. We won't get a new from God until we do something old for God. I want to invite you to write that down if you're taking notes. God will not tell us something new until we do the something old. 
I was talking with some of our um, outreach ministry partners who, who were trying to raise funds to go across um, seas and to, to begin full-time mission work. And they were getting frustrated because their, their fundraising efforts had slowed down. They hadn't got to the place where they needed to be before their mission agency would send them across um, the Atlantic Ocean to, to go into global mission field. And uh, they set up a meeting with me. They wanted to talk with me to try to discern if God had, maybe, maybe they had misheard God or maybe they needed to do something different. And we, we started talking and as we were talking, they said something interesting. They were like, it just feels like God is silent. Have any of you ever thought maybe God was silent? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get to that place where you're like, I just don't maybe feel God or maybe I'm not hearing God. I think God is silent. And what I asked them was, what is the last thing that God spoke to you? What is the last thing that you discerned God speaking to you? And they said, to go. They said, to go. And I said, if that's the last thing that God spoke to you, then that's exactly what God wants you to do. God will not give you something new until you do the something old. And if and if God hasn't done his part in that, that just means that God has not brought it to completion. And so when you discern what that calling is in your life, maybe some of you, it's just a, it's a call to follow Jesus. And you've been running and you've been trying to do life your own way. And Jesus has been saying, hey, I died on the cross for your sins and I rose to give you new life, but you gotta follow me with this life if you wanna enter into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe for some of you, you've been waiting on something new or for God to do something fresh and he's just waiting on you to follow him. Maybe some of you, you're like waiting on some kind of new grand revelation, something great and glorious to happen in your life. And God's just saying, hey, would you draw near to me in the closet of your home in prayer? He's just calling you into a deeper place with him. And maybe some of you, you're looking for that next big adventure in ministry and you've been struggling, trying to figure out what God has called you to do. And God's just saying, hey, would you just follow me in the thing that I first called you to? We wait for something new but he's wanting us to do the old. And if you've done your part and it hasn't happened yet, that just means that God hasn't brought it to completion. And when he does, he'll give you instructions on what's next in your life. But God will not give us something new until we've done the something old. The other thing that's important to note, and maybe if you're taking notes, you might wanna write this down, is that God will not change his mind regarding instructions or the laws that he has given us. God will not change his mind regarding the instructions and the laws that he has given us. And, and, and so what's interesting is that the Bible is full of um, instructions that God has given us, full of uh, commands, full of laws that he has given us. And, and, and God hasn't changed his mind. For thousands of years, God hasn't changed his mind on the instructions and the laws that he has given us. And what I discover a lot in ministry is that people think that they can operate outside of those laws and expect that God would bless that. But the reality is that, that God won't change his his mind regarding those instructions that he has given us. Not even for the sake of our happiness, because holiness trumps happiness. And holiness is when we hear from God and God instructs us, he gives us a command and, and we do it. And when we operate in that holy way of living, where we understand that we're set apart for a purpose and a plan for God to bring glory to him in a very specific way that he has called us all, when we operate in that, what we'll actually find is that that will lead to something that's greater than happiness called joy and peace. 
So you see this with students and relationships, where sometimes in a student relationship growing up, especially through those adolescent years, it's really easy to say, well, this relationship that maybe we're operating in in an unholy way makes me happy. And what God would say is, if you would just trust me because I said so, then you'll discover one day that your holiness will lead to something that, that truly exceeds happiness. You, you see this at a small level when it comes to maybe those things that God's calling us to stop doing in our lives, maybe those things that we would call sin, where we, where we know that we're operating in disobedience to God's call, God's commands, God's instructions, God's laws, and God's calling us to come out of something, to stop doing something. Maybe God's calling us to do something, and we haven't been faithful in that because it doesn't make us happy. And God's saying, hey, if you'll just trust me in this, because I said so, and you'll be obedient to this, your holiness will lead to something that is greater than happiness called joy and peace. The reason that God will tell us again and tell us a second time and keep repeating the call on our lives is because he desires that we would trust him and get to a place in our trust to understand that he's got this and that if we will be obedient into what he's calling us to, then we'll experience a joy and a peace that no level of disobedience for the sake of happiness can be able to find, amen? Hey, that's good stuff, y'all. I mean, I don't know that y'all know that that's good stuff, but that is good stuff and that's good preaching right there. Now, I wasn't asking for a hand clap. I wasn't, I'm just saying, that is like good stuff. Anyway, um, so... So he hears this word for a second time, Jonah does. And, and what he should have done the first time, remember, we talked about it. It's easier just to be obedient the first time than to be disobedient because it's a lot harder. He actually ends up going to Nineveh and, and telling the Ninevites this very specific message. So just listen to these words. Um, we don't have them on the screen. Just listen to me. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, meaning that it was like, Expansive, it was large, it was prosperous. Three days journey in breadth. So in other words, like it would take three days to walk through the entirety of the city. It's a big city. Or maybe he just walks, I don't know. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey. So he gets about a third of the way in, right? And he makes an announcement. He called out. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This great prosperous city shall be overthrown. And listen to this. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. They, they believed God. I mean, they believed God. And, and we believe people believe God when, when they pray a prayer on Sundays after the service, they raise their hands, they come down, they get a Bible, they get a devotional, and then we celebrate it the next week, just like we celebrated earlier that two people profess their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the very first time. I mean, we believe them because they raised their hand and they came down and talked to us afterwards. Like if there's a reason to believe the Ninevites were legit, it's because they put on sackcloth and they fasted. I mean, only people that are legitimately serious about their faith are gonna put on sackcloth and they're gonna fast, right? It's sackcloth, it's like burlap. And so how many of you have ever worn burlap? Anyone? No hands. One hand, why would you put on burlap back there in the back? I don't know. Like, 
That sounds horrible. Like, why would you put on burlap? Um, why would you fast? Y'all know what fasting is, right? You don't eat. So, so they fasted. They were super serious about this to the point where they put on burlap on their pets, okay? Like, I mean, that's how legit they are about their belief in God. But the response tells us something very clear about the Ninevites, and that is that they hear this message, this warning that they're gonna be destroyed and they believe in God to this point where they would put on sackcloth, they would fast, they would even sit in ashes. The king actually makes a decree that everyone has to do this. So just imagine me saying on a Sunday morning, I want all of you to change out of your garments when you go, when you go home, when you go home, put on some burlap. I want you to stop eating. And if you got some ashes around the house, just sit in them. Okay, that's what I want you to do. And, and, and we don't know how long, but what we know is that Jonah shows up and he says 40 days. So the assumption is that the decree from the king is to do this for 40 days. Now, here's what I wanna tell you about context. When you go back to the Old Testament and people put on sackcloth, it was a way of mourning death. And to mourn wearing sackcloth for 40 days was specifically to mourn for death. So they're doing this beforehand because they won't be able to do it afterwards. So the Ninevites get a message that they're gonna be destroyed in 40 days. And immediately what they do is they put on the clothes that mourn death. What are they mourning the death of themselves? They mourn the death of themselves. And you know what I think? I think that when it comes to our response to God's call, many of us need to get to a place where we mourn our impending death, where we become more aware of our impending death, that whatever we're experiencing right now and whatever our ambition is right now, wherever our Tarshish is right now, where we'd rather retreat to, whatever that happiness is that, that we would seek to find over holiness, that we would actually start to mourn our impending death to recognize that we only have a brief moment here on this earth, but we got a long time in eternity and we should start living for that now. And Jesus says, hey, that if you wanna hold on to your life, you're gonna lose it. But if you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. In other words, if you'll live like you're dead, then you'll actually experience life fully alive. So many of us are disobedient to the call of God on our life, whether it's to follow him or to grow deeper in a relationship with him or to be very specific in the way that we're living our lives, glorifying him and bringing other to, others to a place of belief that we would rather, we would rather hold on to this idea of life. And it's so bad in American culture. And what we're actually doing is we're actually dying where if we will mourn our impending death and live like it now, we will find life. We will find that thing that is greater than happiness called joy and peace because we trust God. Because we trust God. They, they put on the sackcloth and they fast. They go without food. They they put on ashes or they sit in ashes. And when you combine all those things together, it's not just a mourning of death. It's also an act of repentance. And so what they do because of Jonah's message 
as they say to God, hey, God, we recognize that we're about to die, but we turn, even if it's for 40 days, even if the clock is ticking, we are changing our mind and we are turning around. We are coming back to you. And when we come back to God, when we turn around, we said it the first week, what we discover is that God's there, that God is there. And listen, listen to what happens for the Ninevites. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster. When he saw what they did, that they were legit and that they were serious, he relented. Now, and I don't wanna contradict what I said earlier that God won't uh, change his, his commands, his instructions, his law. And, and, and so we're not contradicting that. Um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, when, when Jonah got there and he showed up and he said, hey, in 40 days, you're gonna be destroyed. He did not include this phrase, thus saith the Lord. You gotta be careful when you say, thus saith the Lord. You, you gotta be really careful. He, he doesn't say, thus saith the Lord. And we don't have any instruction necessarily that, that God spoke directly to Jonah. Jonah said directly what God said for him to speak. Now, God might have said, hey, in 40 days, I will destroy the people and, and that that's the authority that he was speaking, but we don't have him say, thus saith the Lord. A lot of the other prophets, when they get done talking on behalf of God, they say, thus saith the Lord. So, so number one, God hasn't declared this in, in a relevatory way to where God can't contradict himself. That's the first thing. But the second thing is, is that God's not changing a command or an instruction. God's changing what he will do. And what he said he will do moves from bad to good. And so you can always know that when it comes to God's response to our obedience, something will shift from bad to good. Something will shift from good to better, or as John Chris says, from good to gooder, okay? Um, something will shift from better to best. Something will shift when we are obedient to the call of God on our lives. And that's exactly what God does. God relents. And this actually like, causes us to pause and go, why would God relent on destroying Nineveh? And, and I think it's because God, God wanted to relent because he wanted the people to repent. Like his actual desire in all of this was not to destroy the Ninevites, it was to delight with the Ninevites in a relationship that they would actually repent and turn and come back to him. I believe that was God's desire for a couple of reasons. Why else would you send a, a warning? Why else would you send a messenger that has a warning? Like, why would you do that? Why, why would you delay 40 days? I mean, if you were just bent on destroying a people because they're evil and their wickedness, why wouldn't you just do it in four days? Heck, why wouldn't you do it 40 minutes or four minutes right after Jonah speaks? But why send Jonah in the first place? And I think one thing is clear about God. And I think this is why he's willing to tell us over and over again what, what he's calling us to, whether it's to follow him or greater fellowship with him or to find our purpose in him. And I think it's because the greatest desire that God has is that all of us would walk in a relationship with him through obedience. That's the greatest desire that God has. In fact, I mean, I don't, 
I'm not just making this up. It's actually in the pages of scripture. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 19, we'll have the words on the screen says, the Lord is not slow to keep his promises as some count slowness, but is patient toward who? You. Not wishing that anyone would what? Perish, but that all would reach Repentance. He is patient. How many of you are grateful that God was patient with you? Yeah. I mean, just a day earlier than your repentance. But he was patient. Why? It says it here. His desire is that all would repent. That all would come back to him. And if you've come back to him by following him or growing deeper in a relationship with him, then he's got a specific purpose in mind for you. And that purpose, as hard as it might be, going to a terrorist group and sharing with them a warning that's really just a welcome back. Uh, going, to, going across the seas and fundraising might be a little tough. Going to your workplace, going to your play place, going to, to your neighbors, whatever it is that God has called you to specifically, if you will walk in obedience because he says so, it will lead others to a place where they can come back to him. In the same way that God was patient with you, God is patient for them. So my question for you is, will you follow? Will you be obedient? as Jonah eventually is. If you will, because he says so and you trust him, then you will move and something will shift in your holiness to something greater than happiness, true joy and peace.